0: Hi, this is Apostle Baker J. Baker, who is a doctor in psychology, welcoming you to the Really Telling It Like It Is program. And if you were on last week, if you heard last week, I know you're stoked about this week. So push that share button, call your friends, your family, your rel- your, your enemies, all those different people, because Apostle Michael Fram is back and... He's back ready to go, and I'm not going to talk anymore. I'm just going to tell him, come on down, and let's get this party (laughs) moving."
1: Come on. I feel like like I'm on uh, Monty Hall. Come on down. You're the next contestant. (laughs) Oh, I I can be silly. I, I can be silly sometimes. Hey, a little silly is good every once in a while. I'm excited, Doc, to be back with you. And to continue in this subject, this conversation that we've been having about Sonship over the last few weeks. And I think we'll be on this for a few more weeks before um, the the fulfillment of Engelbert Humperdinck comes true. Please release me, let me go. (laughs) But... We'll, we'll we'll stay on this until. But that. one of
0: your sons is coming on after you, so what is coming on after you. So, <laughs> so see you leave your son here, so it, it's it's there. <laughs> well, I
1: want to I want to go right back to where we were. We had finished up last week. We kind of ran out of time. I don't know how that always happens to us, but uh, we ran out of time. We were in First uh, Corinthians chapter four. And so I want to go back there to First Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 14. It says, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. And again, we were talking about the fact that Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, he's telling them that he's writing to them as beloved children. So even his, his attitude how he looks at them, he's looking at them like a father and looking at them like they are his children. We go into verse 15. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, some translations say instructors, some say teachers. The Greek actually says boy teachers. If you have countless tutors, instructors, teachers in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father in the gospel. I'm reading this out of the New American Standard Bible. I exhort you, therefore, be imitators of me. Verse 17, for this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, there's some things that we can pull out of this. We left off um, last week, and I was telling the story about um, real-life illustration about Apostle Jennifer Foster, how, you know, I've known her for about a year, I guess, at this point, and it started out in the relationship where I was drawn to her. She was drawn to me. She came into love and unity. She was drawn to Apostle Cal, who's your brother, who's my brother. She was drawn to you through Pastor Lonzine, who's your daughter. It's like we're just like one big happy family. And then she was, was drawn to me. And so she was looking at you like your Mama Baker. And she was looking at Apostle Cal like he's Papa Cal. And she's looking at me, he doesn't know what to call me. And I said, well, you know, Apostle Cal's my brother and we work together. And, you know, I love him and trust him. He loves me and trust me. I said, if he's your papa, I can be Uncle Mike. And so she was like, okay. So she started calling me Uncle Mike. But in the process of time, she had me on a broadcast probably about a month, month and a half ago now, however long it's been, I don't know. And it was one of her Tuesday broadcasts, and she had Apostle Barry Cook, who's also another member of the Senior Council, dear friend of ours. She had Apostle Barry and Ion, and we were talking about the difference between mentors and fathers. We need mentors and what mentors give us, but we also need fathers and what fathers give us. And we get different things from mentors than we get from fathers. And so we were talking about these things. And she had asked the question. And in the middle of my answer to her, the Lord just spoke up to me while I'm speaking. It's Kind of like, and while he yet spoke, the Holy Ghost fell. Well, while I was yet speaking, the Holy Ghost fell on me. And he said, that's the role that you're filling for her. And while he said that to me, Apostle Jennifer is listening to my answers. And she says to the Lord as he's listening, is he saying what I think he's saying? And the Lord said to her, yes, he's saying what you think he's saying. Now, I didn't know that the Lord said that to her. And she didn't know what the Lord said to me. But here's where her hang up was. Her hang up was on this, and this is where I want to go into the rest, some of the rest of this text. She was under the impression that you could only have one spiritual father. But when you look at the text, it says that you don't have. Many fathers, many is more than one. It's not a singular term, it's a plural term. And as I'm answering that and drawing attention to that in the text, that's when she's saying, is he saying what I think he's saying? In other words, you mean I can have more than Papa Cal, I can have Papa Mike too. Because she was under the impression you could only have one. Now, my father, earthly father, was my spiritual father and still is, and he's still with me. I was with him this morning. Apostle Leo Fram, he and Mama were with me. I was ministering at a local Aglow chapter, and I, taught for, I was just telling Doc before we went live. I taught for an hour and 20 minutes with no notes. And you know it doesn't take much for me, just she says, "Wind them up and let them go and so yes, yeah, you like, go ahead and so I went for an hour and twenty minutes this morning on the difference or some of the differences between the manifestation gift of prophecy and the ministry gift of a prophet, which of course we just got done doing multiple weeks on that on this broadcast. So it was fresh in me. It was very easy to teach that. And so mom and dad were with me front and center, sitting right in front of me. And, you know, they're my spiritual parents, but dad Hagen was a spiritual father to me as well. And I got to sit at his feet for two years at Ramah. So he fought. So I've had more than one father, you know, Apostle Don Hughes, Dr. Don Hughes, another member of the senior council, his Earthly father was a spiritual father to him. But Lester Sumrall was a spiritual father to him. Dr. Kelly Varner was a spiritual father to him. Dan Hagen was a spiritual father to him. And so it's possible to have more than one father. And so that was her hang up. But when she realized that it could be not many fathers, she was like, so what I'm feeling is actually biblical. And see, what happened was Paul said, I became your father in the gospel. And there's there's this thing that occurs in a father-son relationship where there is a moment that you know. There's a moment that you know, I became your father. And I'm going to go into this more and more as we go through this conversation, but it's got to be witnessed on both sides. That's excellent, Geneva. Geneva just posted in the comments, different fathers speak to different areas in our life, and that's absolutely correct. There are some things that I got from Dad Hagen that I didn't get from Leo, and there's some things that I got from Leo that I didn't get from Dad Hagen. But yet they both imparted not just knowledge, not just how to, but they also imparted who they are, their DNA. I love I had I had Dr. Jeff Thompson on my on my Thursday night broadcast with me last week. And he was talking about the difference between teachers and mentors and fathers. And he said teachers give their mind, mentors give their hand and fathers give their heart. And Paul said that he longed to come to people so that he could impart suke, the Greek word suket, my very essence, who I am to impart to you. And that's what fathers do. Fathers impart their heart. They impart who they are. He was talking about how you get instruction and information from a teacher. You get motivation from a mentor, but you get your identification from a father. And so there's that that time in that father-son relationship where on both sides it becomes witness that you know that that person is your father. So Paul knew, I have become your father. Next, he says, I exhort you, therefore, be imitators of me. Another place Paul said, follow me. As I follow the Lord. And I remember, you know, when I was growing up, I used to go into the bathroom when my dad would be getting ready in the morning. And so my dad would shave every morning. And he'd take the shaving cream and he'd lather it up in his hand and, you know, do like this on his cheeks. And then he would take the razor and he always shaved up. Because he said shaving up, he got a closer shave than shaving down. So he always shaved up, and he'd do like this underneath his neck. So now I'm a little child. I want to imitate my father. And so I said, I want to shave because that is shaving. I want to shave. I want to imitate my father. And so he gives me the shaving cream, and I'm putting it all over my face. He gives me a razor, but he kept the cap on it. He kept the guard on the razor because he knew better than to give me a razor that was open. And so here I am as a little child with the razor, with the cap on it, and I'm doing this because that's what daddy's doing. I am imitating my father. That's the thought behind what Paul was saying. Do what I do. Watch what I do learn from what I do, and then imitate what I do. And that's what we want out of our spiritual children. We want them to imitate us, follow us as we follow the Lord. Then we go into verse 17. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. There are many places where Paul refers to Timothy. He calls him his beloved son, depending on the translation. In one place, he spoke about Timothy, and he said, I don't have anybody that I can send to you except Timothy. Nobody has my heart like Timothy has my heart. He so has not only what I say, but he has my heart. And he will impart to you what I teach in all of the churches. He has actually learned everything that I teach. And he will tell it to you just like I was with him. Even though I'm not with him, he will tell it to you. Just Paul's saying when he comes, I can't send anybody else on my behalf. Nobody else has my heart. And I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. I know Jerry asked what scripture chapter. I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul said, I don't have anybody I can send but Timothy. Because Timothy is the only one that actually has my heart. And he will tell you just like I will tell you. The same things I'll. What I teach in every one of the churches, everywhere, I have the same message everywhere I go. I don't change the message. It's always the same. And Timothy has learned not only what I teach, but he's captured my heart. And he will tell you just like it was just like me being there. You remember that Jesus said, Philip comes. It's good if you would show us the Father. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been so long with you, and yet you do not understand? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father also. I remember when I was growing up, that was dad's joke. He and I would joke about that. If you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father also. Because people used to say, Michael sounds just like Leo. Michael looks like Leo. Michael has gestures like Leo and facial expressions and voice inflection. Just the other day, I was having a conversation with my dear sister, Apostle Angie Dorman, and she had said something, and, and um, I, I, I quoted a Leoism. A Leoism are, are expressions that we attribute to my father. And we call them Leoisms. And she said something to the effect of, you know, you got to love them. And my response was, what's not to love? Well, that's the Leoism. And she said, I just heard your father. I could hear him saying that because she knows my dad so well. Well, if you've seen the son, you've seen the father also. And Jesus was saying, if you've seen the son, you've seen the father also. Because whatever I see my father do, that is what I do. And whatever I hear my father say, that's what I will say. And that's what Paul is saying about Timothy. He's going to tell you just like it was me. So when you hear his voice, you're hearing my voice. So you are my children I've begotten you in the gospel, and the only one that I can trust to send to you is another son. And so I'm sending a son to my sons. And my son, who has not just my message, not just my method, not just my mandate, not just my mantle, not just my mindset, but has my ammo and has my heart. That's who I am sending to you. And this is the thing about reproduction in sonship with fathers and sons is that the son carries the message of the father. The son has the method of the father. The son has the mantle of the father. The son has the mandate of the father. The son has the mindset of the father. The son has the M.O., Of the father. Do you think just possibly Leo drilled some alliteration into my life through all the years? You get all those them start rolling out. But that's what Leo drilled into me. And so I am a byproduct. I'm a son of a father. And that's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about his sons that he's begotten and he sends a son to his sons. Now, I want to shift gears here slightly. We've got about 10 minutes to go, and I want to shift gears here a little bit and look at some more scripture, and we may not get past actually just reading it, but after we read it, we'll see how much time we have left. I want to look at the Elijah and Elisha story. Now, I could quote this, a lot of it, and just kind of rehearse it, But I love the Elijah and Elisha story because the Elijah-Elisha story is really all about sonship. That's what it's about. See, we forget that Elijah was caught up in being the voice of God to the people. He was not caught up and pouring into another generation. In the days of Elijah, there were schools of the prophets, but Elijah wasn't teaching in it. Elijah was having confrontations with the prophets of Baal. Elijah was calling down fire out of heaven, but he was not raising up somebody in his place. He was not raising up a son. He was not raising up somebody to take his place. It was all about I'm the voice of God to the people, and so as we begin to go into First Kings and into Second Kings, we encounter Elijah. So in First Kings chapter nineteen verse sixteen, this is New King James Version, it says, "Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel." And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, and you shall anoint as prophet in your place. Some translations say in your stead. Either in your place or in your stead. In other words, Elijah, there's a program that I want you to get involved in. I want you to raise up your successor. I don't remember who it was that said it. But if you don't have a successor, you're a failure. Somebody once said, if you have a number one without a number two, you're a failure. And so, Elijah, you need to get a... Let let me give you a course correction, son. You need a course correction. You need to find this guy named Elisha, and you're going to anoint him to be prophet in your place. You're anointing your successor. You're anointing the one that's going to take your place. Not only are you anointing him to take your place, but now it's your responsibility to actually train him so that he can do what you do. And see, there's that process where in fathering you not only teach but you demonstrate and then you impart your heart it's all three in the process of relationship from teacher to mentor to father it's education it's motivation and it's impartation and one of the things about mentorship is i'm going to show you how to do something so that you learn how to do it. Then I'm going to watch you do it. Then after I watch you do it, I'm going to let you be empowered to do it. It's, you're going through the, the process. And so this is what God's calling Elijah to do And eventually, Elijah, I'm going to take you away. And then he's going to be able to function just like you function and do exactly what you do. That was the goal here. Then we go in to uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. This is verses 19 to 21, New King James Version. So he departed from there and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and he took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh and using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. He became his servant. So first, Elijah gets an instruction. Go find this guy named Elisha. He's going to be your successor. Go and anoint him. So Elijah goes and he finds him. Now, it doesn't say that Elijah dumped oil on him. What it says is that Elijah took his mantle and threw his mantle on him. Now, you have to recognize and understand what that mantle symbolized. That mantle was a symbol of his call, of his function, of his office as a prophet. Now, Elijah throws the mantle and keeps walking. He doesn't even stop. But when the mantle was thrown Elisha had no question as to what that signified. Because Elisha knew what that mantle was representative of. And that's why he said, hey, wait a minute. Let me kiss mama and daddy goodbye. And Elijah's like, what did I do? And he's still walking. Now, here's the thing that you have to pick up. And boy, we're almost out of time. We'll pick it up here next week. Here's what you have to pick up. Number one, Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. In other words, Elisha was working. We've got a lot of people that are waiting for somebody to come and call them, but they're not busy doing anything. Elisha was working when the call of God came. You can't sit back and fast and pray all day and not be doing anything and expect God to call you. They say if you ever want to get something done, find somebody who's busy, and it'll get done. Number two, Elisha was not poor. He had 12 yoke of oxen. That was a status of wealth. If he had one yoke of oxen, that'll be something. But he had 12 yoke of oxen. And he was with the 12. Number three, he slew the oxen. In other words, he just destroyed his inheritance and said, there is no going back to my old way of life. I am now following the man of God. And, Doc, we're out of time. We'll have to pick it up here next time.
0: Uh, uh, Okay. I don't have much to say. One of the things is, is that when you talked about many fathers, I actually father uh, someone with Apostle Don and I father, I I have have father with a number of different people. So it's not just, you know, people need to understand that Uh, it's not just that one thing or that one thing, uh, that one way. And we really appreciate this and we are almost out of time and we're going to be back next week, still telling it like it is on this. He is going to continue. So it'll be uh, the week before Thanksgiving. And this uh, you'll need this to go into your family stuff because me as a therapist, this is my busiest time of the year because people have so many problems. But listen to Apostle Michael Fram next week and you will be able to understand fathers and and relationships when we're back next week to really tell it like it is. Bye bye. Come on, wave at the people. Thank you.